0: I love that sound. That's the sound of someone losing their freedom. That's the sound of chains being shackled to someone's feet, someone's hands. That's the sound of freedom lost and that's the sound of authority, control gained. See, I like that sound because it means that our empire is doing what it should. We are controlling not only territory, not only money, we are controlling people. And so I get to be used by God. I mean, his, his name, he goes by King, he goes by Caesar, but he really likes to be called God. And he's one of many gods that that we worship within our Roman country. And who am I? I'm a Roman guard. I'm a man that's been entrusted with some authority. I'm a man that likes to see people's freedom lost. But there's this group. There's this group of people that like another sound. This group Called the Hebrews, this group called the Jews, they like another sound. They like the sound of water. They like the sound of rushing water, this sound here. Because it symbolizes to them a cleansing. They want to be clean before God. And so they don't behave in the same ways that we behave as a culture. They don't choose to do the things we do. Can you believe it? They believe there's only one God. They are crazy enough to believe there's one God and that he's given certain rules. He's given certain ways that they should live and that he will do something about this thing they call sin. Sin, something that they don't want to partake in, but sin seems so sweet. Why wouldn't you want to partake in it? But they are waiting. They're waiting for someone. They're waiting for this person, this person who they say has been spoken about in this book of Isaiah. They say, surely he will take our pain. He will bear our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for their transgressions. He was crushed for their iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds they are healed. They say that they are all like sheep having gone astray. Each of them turned their own way, and that the Lord, the Lord, the Lord laid the sin of all of them upon him. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait, to be cleansed. But we don't care about their waiting. We care about riding out. And tonight we are riding out. We're riding out based on the assumptions of this dude who we think is a fool. He's actually not trustworthy at all. But for some reason, the the authorities that be trust this no good dude and they gave him 30 shekels and before I know it, Me and a legion of troops are following behind this untrustworthy dude, following behind him to go find this dude from Nazareth. Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? This man whose name is Jesus, we are headed out to go and find him. We come to his door. He says, wait a minute. I have been preaching in the synagogues. If you wanted me, you could find me. Have I done something wrong? And Judas does something crazy. He identifies this man with a kiss. And when we asked, are you Jesus? He said some words, three simple words that blew our entire legion off of our feet. He said, I am he. Those words, I am, shook the very metal upon our our chest. It shook our shields. As we were laying on the ground, it was as if he shook our core. But we had a job to do. We had an arrest to make. We had a man to seize. And so we got up. We grabbed him. We were just about to haul him away. And then this man that was with him did something foolish. Now, I've seen people do crazy things. They run. They tell on other people, hoping for freedom. This man lashed out and cut one of my soldiers. Cut Malchus's ear off. Now, did I tell you it was a legion of us? We are deep. And he's trying to start a fight for this guy? But then something happened. Instead of the man that we are here to arrest, rebuking us, getting angry at us, he rebukes his friend. He rebukes the guy who cut off one of my men's ear, and he takes and heals the man's ear. What type of man am I dealing with? What type of man is this? So then we follow, we follow our instructions. We now bound him, take him, and we're headed to go see Caiaphas. Caiaphas the high priest. Caiaphas is the one that speaks truth and Caiaphas is the last person we think that is gonna say something that that diminishes this man because Caiaphas has been warning the council all along, be careful. For one man may die for many. But there's a message that we want to make sure gets gets communicated. You see, when people get arrested, you don't want people returning. And so very rarely do people tend to go to the cross. It's not something that happens every day where people are crucified. It takes so much energy, so much time, so much effort. But people are at times let go. But you don't want to see them return. And so what you do all along the way as they travel with us in chains, you elbow them. You punch them. You knead them. You kick them. You beat them all along the way. So by the time they arrive at being judged, if they are forgiven, they never want to come back. They want, we want them to wish that they were dead. And so we treat this Jesus the same way. We continue to beat him, to kick him, to spit on him all along the way. We finally take him from Caiaphas to Pilate. Pilate is a man of power, but he recognizes that he's still beneath the king. And so he's a man in authority that acknowledges authority. And he says to this, to this Jesus, he asks, are you a king? Are you one of power? Are you one of great influence? And Jesus says something to him. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. Not of this world. And so Pilate recognizes that he's got to do something. Because this group of Jews has brought Jesus before him, and to respond with no type of punishment, he will seem soft in his authority. And so he has him beaten, he has us beat him. But he says to the people these words that that they don't tend to say that often. He said, I find him innocent. This man who has gone through channel after channel and have finally arrived at this governing judge, he says, "I find him innocent." But that innocence isn't enough for the crowd. Pilate then gives it one last, one last hope. It was, a, it was a, uh, something that I was sure was going to happen. I almost was ready to take Jesus' chains off of his feet because I was sure that he was about to go free. There's a man named Barabbas. And each year, Pilate grants one prisoner to be set free. And he says, hey, y'all remember Barabbas? Barabbas that was just in the streets throwing a rebellion. Barabbas who killed a man. You can choose this Jesus or choose Barabbas. And they choose Jesus. I'm stunned. I'm looking as if what has this man done? Because my legion just captured Barabbas and we killed a number of his men. We lost some good men fighting against that rebellion. So what has this Jesus done? From what we are told, he was just being praised in the streets. He was just coming in on a donkey. What kind of criminal could this be? The Jews claim to be clean. They claim to be those that would abstain from sin. They claim to be pure, and so they walk through the streets at a different pace, at a different rhythm, knowing that we have power over them, but somehow they still look down upon us as if we are dirty. But the dirtiest time that I've ever heard someone speak, the dirtiest time I've ever seen someone's eyes was when I saw this group say, crucify him crucify him. Their anger, their rage, their filth. It was evident. Yeah, we do some dirty things. But there was some heart stuff in these people that needed to be cleansed. And so we we did as he commanded. We took Jesus. We took a a nail similar like this one. And we started to sharpen it a bit to get him ready. As we got the nails ready, we started to weave together a crown for him. A crown is fitting for a king, and this is supposed to be the king of the Jews, right? So as one of our soldiers are making a sign that says, Hail, King of the Jews, we have put together a crown fitting that is made of thorns. And we take this crown and we place it ever so softly upon his head. And then we take turns, just giving him subtle taps, subtle taps. You see, one hard tap may drive a thorn through his skull, and you don't want that. But what you want is agonizing pain over time. So can you imagine what you feel when you feel the the splinter in your finger? And every time you touch something, it just reminds you that it's there. Well, our goal is to create agonizing pain over time with just a subtle tap of the thorn. And then this man who's been beaten along the way, bloody, who's been whipped, who's had cat 9 tails yank out portions of his flesh. Even a thief doesn't deserve to be humiliated. And so we give him a, a purple robe to, to drape over his body. And you have some of these symbols to remind you of what Christ experienced along his journey. And then we began to, to take the nails. These nails were, were smooth, but they had a hook on the end that once they were Knocked through to give us an ease of trying to knock them through someone's flesh. They would hook upon someone's bone to keep them secure to the cross. And Jesus was no different. He endured the pain. He endured the humiliation. Humiliation. And as we hoisted him up, we hoisted up some other thieves with him. And one of the thieves that was next to him had. Had had courage. I mean, usually a thief is barely able to breathe. Usually a thief is in so much pain that they're crying out to every person that has ever loved them, crying for their mommy, crying for their daddy. And instead, this man insults Jesus. He ridicules him. He downplays his authority. If you are that powerful, if you are that strong, save yourself and save us too. But yet there is one next to Jesus that somehow finds humility. He he recognizes that what they have done is wrong and they deserve to be there. But he says to Jesus, take me with you in paradise. And Jesus says that that he will be with him. What is going on here? This is supposed to be a place where there is nothing but begging for one's life. How is Jesus showing mercy hanging on a cross? Does he know who's in charge? Does he know that we have his life in our hands? Lastly, as he sits up there powerless, we take out and start to cast lots. Casting lots is like rolling dice to see who gets the highest number. We cast lots to see who's going to get his clothes. Who's going to be able to to take these things home and be able to tell their family a story? Oh, you see these? You see how torn these are? Let me tell you about this guy. He was trying to forgive people on a cross. He He was trying to be kind. I can't wait to tell the kids a story. I'm hoping that I roll 62. We see how thirsty he is. And so we give him wine vinegar. And in that moment after, after we give this to him, Jesus says three words. He says, it is finished. And it was as if he gave up his spirit. Usually you see people trembling and cowering, but it was as if somehow this man was still in control of his life. We usually take a life. It was as if he gave it up. They were coming to to break his legs. They broke the first guy's leg, broke the third guy's legs, because that's what makes sure that you Your your breathing is hindered, and before you know it, it only takes another 30 seconds, and the person's dead. And just as they were about to break Jesus' legs, they realized that he was already dead. And so in that moment, someone pierces his side to make sure, and when they do so, water and blood come forth, and it covers my eyes, and I'm angry. But as I open my eyes, I realize, this man was indeed righteous. It's as if his blood has now allowed me to see that much more clearly. It's as if his blood has now freed me from all unhealthy thinking. It's as if his blood has shown his innocence. If you ever want to know what's good about Good Friday, I now realize the goodness of Good Friday is found in the words of Isaiah that these Hebrew people keep saying. Maybe they were longing for this God to come with might. Maybe they were longing for him to come with vengeance. Maybe they wanted to be physically cleansed. But now I see Good Friday is actually about this God cleansing hearts. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Of us all, let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we get to see the story. The story of your son going through the most horrendous act we can imagine for us. Lord, the weight of Jesus' death is heavy. And we want the the loss, Lord, the pain that's associated with that, Lord. We want to feel that so that we can know that through Jesus' suffering, there is joy. But we don't want to skip the suffering, Lord. We want to understand it, acknowledge it, and experience it. We're thankful for all that Jesus did for us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.